Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Well, we thank you guys for joining us. Happy holidays. Um, this likely will be our last podcast before the holidays, unless there's some uh, big trade or free agent addition. And this person would probably know if that's on the horizon, that uh, being the principal owner of the Rays, Stuart Sternberg. Stu, thanks very much for being with us. Happy holidays to you and your family. And the same to you and all the listeners. And I'd like to say you saved the best for last, but it's probably just the opposite. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about that. Um, Tell me, as you look into the holidays, and and certainly, you know, you get to the new year, it's a time for reflection. What are you going to remember most about this year uh, in a positive way? On the baseball side? Mm -hmm. (laughs) It wasn't a lot of a... I think, think, well... uh, a couple of things. One is is our organization's resolve uh, and ability to guide through just everything. <laughs> uh, you know, the, it's a, a laundry list. It's just too long to list. And um, secondly, uh, I think Randy Rosarina pounding on home plate. That certainly was a great moment. Where does Mike Brasso sit up there in terms of moments it's, this year for you? That I mean, those two were kind of like the indelible things for me. Yeah, I would say it's, you know, it's sort of like the most recent, you know, when you work backwards, uh, you know, I, I could get into a, a, there was a whole bunch, right? You know, Brasso was just bananas altogether. Um, and, you know, but, it, it, you know, these were degrees of, of, um, of just excitement and compelling uh, theater, baseball, whatever, you, you know, game, um, you know, to take on the three, organizations plus the blue jays four organizations but the three top payroll teams in the game um and you know and beat them in you know in in deciding game or two of them in deciding game series and to do it in such compelling fashion Uh, and you mentioned brasso was just you know especially after what happened uh you know back with chapman earlier in the season and it you, you couldn't write this script and have it even somewhat believable no. When you were watching it, where, first of all, where were you uh, when the DS was going on? And can you describe what you, it was like for you, you know, watching it, Brasso going through that at bat? Yeah, I was, uh, I was watching on TV. I was here in, in St. Pete uh, watching on TV. And it, it's, it's, you know, it was that at bat, but, but you know, leading up to it, every – every at bat and every pitch, you know, not to sound trite, 
but if the entire game of the entire series, you know, creates a, a tension um, that, that, you know, led to that and then pitch after pitch after pitch. And I've always been, you know, I think of things from the defensive side of the game, you know, we, we, we stress the run prevention first. And the thing that always concerns me most is, is a long at bat when you're giving up a long at bat to a batter, because, you know, all the things you hear that, you know, they see more pitches or they're on the pitches and they pitcher can't put them away and all of that. So, um, you know, I, I think as the bat went along, I had, I had some optimism only because it, it continued. Um, but, but it was gut wrenching. <laughs> yeah. And and uh, Brett Phillips is at bat. Uh, obviously, you're you're in in Texas at the time. What's where are you in the ballpark, and what was your kind of reaction as all of that is going on? Yeah, I I, I have had been and continue to be. It was we've been staying extremely uh, cautious and safe. Uh, so I didn't attend any games this year other than spring training. Uh, March twelfth was the last game I, I had seen. And then we did, in fact, go to Texas for the World Series, um, <clears throat> and to sort of sort of be in a stadium and be around people, uh, you know, it was a jolt because it, it had been such a sort of it's a lot of solitude, you know, the last uh, the eight months previous or so. Um, so we're in the stadium um, and and watching it, and to see Brett, you know, Brett Phillips come up and he's on the team, and you know, clearly he was there was brought in, you know, in a large part for his defense and his ability, his legs, um, and his personality had taken over, which was great. But we also saw something in his in his hitting um, and his ability to, to, you know, to hit the baseball. And he hadn't had, you know, consistent success in the major leagues. And, you know, when you look down your lineup and, you know, when you look down the, um, down the bench, you know, who's going to come in, who's going to hit. And for him to be able to come up in that situation – um, and succeed, it, you know, it was, it was just, it was, it was magical. It was just magical, um, you know, to go against the Dodgers and their pitching and, um, you know, create that matchup. And look, this guy is a major league hitter. He's had, you know, tons of success at times. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a tribute to him and to our, our baseball department to be able to have a guy there to be put in that position. Those two players, Mike Brasso, Brett Phillips, were involved in two big moments at the plate. But, I mean, for me, the postseason that Randy Rosarena had, and I know he, you remember him pounding on home plate, w- w- probably one of the best postseasons I think we're ever going to witness in our lives. Yeah, I, I, it, it just it, they can't get any better. <laughs> uh, they just physically can't. And I, and I do think part of it, had it been anybody but a Rosarino, Randy Rosarino pounding on home plate, it it would have had, it still would have been just completely, uh, complete madness. But it would have had uh, even a slightly less effect because of everything he had done up to that point uh, in all the series that we had played. So, of course, it had to be him, right? No doubt. I mean, you you love, I know, the history of the game dating back to when you know you became a fan of the sport. Where do these moments fit for you just in terms of your love of the game? It's, you know, it's, it's, yeah, thank you for bringing that up. It's hard to separate, um, you know, I'm a fan first and watching these things, but the uh, first, second and third, uh, but it, it, you know, it's, it just, it, it transcends, you know, all the other times, um, 
I would say, you know, the last, let's call it 40 some odd years, uh, you know, since owning the team. But it it's the closest thing that harkens back to when I would say, you know, I think back to, you know, from the ages of, say, seven to 15 or something where it was just everything I lived for. Right. You know, the the box scores, just just gobbling up box scores and getting the results from games from the West Coast that you in the next morning and things like that. And watching the games and just living and dying with them, um, it's, you know, I, I won't say in the history of the game as far as, you know, Mickey Owens' third strike or, <clears throat> you know, dropping a, a pitch and, and Gianfrido's catch or so Sandy Amoros's catch, you know, the, you know those were, those were things back from the Brooklyn Dodgers or, or actually witnessing Tommy Agee's catches uh, and Swoboda's catch. You know, they were just, you know, you put your hands to your head and you go, oh my gosh, right? <laughs> and I think those were the reactions we all had. Did you see that with your family too? That was with you at the games in in uh, Dallas. I mean, to see them at Arlington. Yeah, I, well, that's that's a big part of it. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, well, I watched the games on TV. Where I watched with uh, with my, with Lisa, my wife, uh, and generally with uh, with one or more of my children. Um, and you know that makes it special rather than just sitting there alone watching the game, which in itself is, is gut-wrenching. Uh, but we were all able to be together uh, in, in uh, fortunately, in a, in a suite. Uh, it was down on the first base side in, um, in Texas. And we just, uh, we were on the floor. We were hugging each other. We were, you know, falling around. It was just, uh, it was just, it was amazing to be there with, you know, to be, to be able to spend that time with the kids because they had been there for the, for the World Series games up till then. Um, and, you know, all the buildup that gets you to that point, it's just, it was amazing. It's just amazing. And I think for most of us, we're going to love those moments, but we're also going to remember so much about this team. And, and I don't know about you, for me, it was the buy-in that this group had. I mean, to deal with everything they had to deal with and then almost reinvent an entire bullpen with injuries to what, Poche, Drake, Beeks, Kittredge, uh, you know, and then on the starting step, Chirinos and, you know, potentially McKay. McKay. I mean, to deal with all that and to still get through, there had to be a lot of buy-in from the players, the coaches, the staff, everybody. Yeah, it, it was. Look, just just getting the guys on the field, um, no matter how good of a team you thought you might have or anything, so much of it was going to be about uh, the approach. And I do think that uh, I remember back when we, you know, when we were home and we playing the games, everything looked fine. And we went out on the first road trip uh, and things weren't so fine. Um, you know, I think that, you know, it just shows that the, you know, what these guys had to go through and the preparation, uh, you know, and staying in the hotel rooms and, and all, you know, things that they're used to doing things a certain way, it affected their play on the field, you know, and that's the least of it, but it certainly affected their play on the field. Uh, and, you know, we came back, it was a rotten road trip, um, but they rebounded. And then in the face of all the injuries happening on the, especially in the pitching side, uh, you know, they, we thought it was almost like an, uh, an epidemic, um, you know, of a different sort. Uh, um, you know, and I'm sure if I was the pitch, a pitcher who didn't get hurt, I'm sitting there going, am I next? Am I next? So, you know, in the face of all of that, um, you know, it either breaks you apart or brings you together. And clearly this, this group, you know, especially uh, in the clubhouse led by, you know, Kevin Cash and, and the coaching staff and all the support staff, um, and Joe Bench, our, and our trainer, um, you know, was able to rally and come together as opposed to let it break them apart. 
Is that what will stick with you just about the group? I mean, Eric Neander has said before the year started, he thought this was the most talented group that they've had. Did you kind of feel that way too? Uh, going into the season, um, yeah, yeah, I think I think it was. Um, we felt, to me, the uh, you know I I focus on the on the pitching the starters and and even more so, if not as much or more so, the relief pitching. Um, and I felt I felt incredibly good about our starting pitching, and I felt even better about our relief pitching, and I felt uh, comfort in the depth that we had. Uh, and our ability to mix and match and, you know, give put guys in positions to succeed, you know. Um, and then, you know, when, when uh, you know, when things got shut down, you don't know how all of that is going to play out. But I still felt really good because, again, if we have the pitching and we have the defense, we're going to win a lot of baseball games. That's, that's just the way it is. And, uh, you know, fortunately, um, you know, guys did enough at the plate. Some guys did really well at the plate, but we were also able to withstand some guys, um, you know, mostly I would say due to the pandemic, you know, just never quite getting going, you know, not just on our team, but on other teams as well. No doubt. I mean, you can look at, you know, we'll look forward a little bit, but guys like Austin Meadows never yes. really had the, the kind of season you would anticipate. Yandy Diaz was, you know, home at his, at his home in Miami. He never got COVID, but probably didn't have the same kind of normal schedule that he would have. And, and that probably impacted him and his health. A lot of guys, there are a lot of guys, I think on the offensive side who, who you might look ahead to 21 and say, Hey, I think there's a whole lot more potentially in there. Yeah. Well, you, you bring up that, you know, especially those two guys, we, you know, we try to have everybody do, do their part on offense. There's no question, you know, guys take a lot of pride in their hitting. Uh, but those two guys, are mainly there for their bats, right? You know, not to say they, you know, it's great because they were able to, you know, do well enough in the field. Um, and, you know, and certainly play skilled positions, you know, especially with Yandy at third base. Um, but, you know, you count on them for the bats to, to you know, carry the way and, uh, you know, not having the two of them perform as they would like to, as we would like them to, uh, you know, put a lot of pressure on everybody else. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, even with all the injuries, uh, it was such a testament to our staff to be able to have the arms available. Um, and we never, you know, we were always throwing out on the mound arms that we were proud and happy to have out there. And we probably went, I don't even know how deep, you know, 20 some odd pitchers deep. And um, it's unheard of to have to do, but the quality was just incredible. And I only, I could only imagine what would have been and if even a few of those guys had, had, you know, just stayed healthy through it, especially, you know, like, you know, the bullpen guys in particular and, you know, maybe one more of the starters, uh, it, you know, could it, we couldn't have had a much better season, but it could have ended differently. Game six itself, was that difficult for you? What were your emotions after, after all of that? Uh, oddly enough, it wasn't. Um, I mean, it's, uh, it, it's hard to win a game one nothing. Uh, you can't really plan to win a game one nothing, and at the end of the day, we were going to need to score some more runs, and we didn't. Um, and yes, while it's about game six, uh, it would have been about you know winning one of the other games somehow that we didn't win. Uh, so they, you know, there would have been it would have been us on the other side of game six, right? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but you know, if we're just talking about game six, it was difficult. I mean, the game that that Blake was having was just you know. Uh, it was, you know, otherworldly against the, especially against that lineup. But then for the most part, 
you know, we held them in check as well. But it does get to a point sometimes where it's just you get overrun, you know, by the by the quality at bats that they throw at you, you know, just one after another after another. <clears throat> and I guess if we had had, you know, a two nothing lead, a three nothing lead or four one lead, if we'd been up by two, three runs, I think that we would have uh, played it a bit differently. Mm-hmm. I don't know for sure. Uh, but, you know, when you're trying to nurse a one nothing lead, you've got to do extraordinary things. And, and uh, you know, sometimes they work out, sometimes they don't. Um, but, you know, I, I don't, uh, you know, I don't put it on any particular pitcher or the manager or uh, it, it really was about, you know, trying to get another run or two across the plate before it got to that point. And as good as this season was, um, are you more impressed about the year itself or the fact that you're able to get through it uh, when you consider all that went on? Well, when, it, when you say uh, get through it, you know, MLB got through this, you know, as a whole, all the teams got through it. And uh, look, some teams had, you know, got through a lot more than we did, right? You look at the Marlins, you look at the Cardinals, you look at, you know, uh, you know teams that had... Um, you know, that had to shut down, start up again, play all the double headers and everything. We we were part of all of that. But fortunately, uh, you know, through a lot of and it didn't happen on its own or by mistake, through a lot of great planning and extraordinary efforts by our our traveling party um, and by 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 the whole organization, keep it, and the players themselves and the coaches keeping everybody safe from the get go. Uh, we were able to avoid those issues during the season. It, having said that, it, it, just going through all of that process um, was almost mind-numbing for these, for, you know, for these people, and physically and psychologically demanding. Uh, but uh, you know, they persevered. And again, to your point, you said earlier, I do think, you know, it's sort of that bunker mentality a little bit. It made them stronger. On a personal level, how challenging was this year for you dealing with COVID? You mentioned you didn't see any games in person from March all the way up until the World Series. Yeah, it was, it, look, it, it, you know, you, you try to separate things, you know, on a personal level, on a, on a, on a business level, on a, on a, you know, the, the baseball on field part of it. Um, and then an organizational level, you know, all the people that, you know, at the end of the day, I'm you know, responsible for their livelihoods in a large respect, and they're responsible for their own livelihoods, um, and and trying to keep people safe and happy and and healthy. Um, it, it, it this was a year. I try to usually try to keep everything a little bit separate so you can deal with things a little bit in a vacuum, so you know you're doing the right thing, and then figure out how they overlap into other parts of of uh, your life or your business. Uh, but this was one that was just all one big petri dish, <laughs> uh, you know, effectively, uh, you know, all of our employees asking them to do, to do work in the, in the face of what was going on, both just to keep the organization going, uh, asking our employees to do work to get the stadium open and safe and clean, you know, at a time that, that their health, health, health was in jeopardy, uh, potentially, uh, and at a time where they had to deal with kids at home, uh, with, you know, with, with loved ones who might've been dealing with illnesses. Uh, it, 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 the whole thing was, it was an extraordinarily, an extraordinary challenge. Um, and <laughs> it, you know, to say it was difficult, you know, you know, is, is, you know, to say the least. 
Um, and just the fact that we got games going and on the field this year and as, as many as we did was just an incredible accomplishment by, by Major League Baseball, uh, you know, by all of, all of the participants on all the teams within the game and all the people that, that had to put, that, put it together. You mentioned the what if of what if there was another starter healthier, another reliever or two healthy. Do you think about the what if if, let's say, you had been able to play home games in front of fans, what that would have meant for the organization going forward? Because I still look back at the end of 19 and those great games against Houston at Tropicana Field and what that place was like and what, were, what it would have meant if, if there were playoff games at Tropicana Field in 20. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no question. Um you know, for a lot for a lot of reasons, those who were there, you know, it, it sort of accentuates the, um, so you know the, the experience because when you're there, you know, you remember if you were there for game 162 or, or for a playoff game or game seven in in 2008 against the Red Sox, it has greater meaning in a sense. However, uh, people people who who took in our games on TV, especially in came the playoffs. Um, where you know the postseason uh, have been sitting at home night after night after night after night, uh, you know, consuming their lives on their phones, on their televisions, on their computers, and you know, I won't say the same thing, but it's been you know they're watching news reports that were not not good, um, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, socially, politically, um, and and you know, from a, obviously most importantly from a health standpoint. Um, you know, mixing in some content that, that, you know, whether it was a movie that, that, you know, some old movies or TV shows that were done. And then all of a sudden to have this live compelling programming show up in your home, it, you know, it's a jolt that, that, uh, I think, I think did a lot of good, uh, especially came, you know, not just the regular season, but especially, you know, once September and October hit. I think that jolt created, you know, for people at home, you know, some meaningful moments. You know, personally, I think a lot of us have felt, I don't know about you, but somewhat relieved that we now have not one, but two vaccines out there. And while there's still a ways to go, do you feel more optimistic about at least getting closer to normal in 2021? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I do. Look, it, 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 we will get more normal. Uh, I th- you know, my own sense of things is, you know, some point by April, we'll, if not a little bit sooner, we'll, we'll start to feel it. However, having said that, I think we're going to go through a, a heck of a storm before we get to that calmer water. Um, you know, what the, you know, what it's going to be from now on till the end of January, given, uh, you know, the rampant spread and the, and the, the holidays and everything else. Um, and then the you know the jockeying over trying to get the vaccine and all, but you know with some patience, with some perseverance, and some planning, uh, you know we we all need to just stay the course, uh, in a good way, and and try to make the best of it, and know that you know things are going to improve. It's not going to be like a light switch that went off, mm-hmm. but things will improve. And you know I, I the other side to it is just you know I don't think we can all handle if this thing sort of takes a left turn somehow or some reason, we're going to need some, you know, we're going to need some good news here going forward. I mean, you know, we sort of had it right now. Um, And I do expect it, you know, what normal means, I don't exactly know. But I think, I think people will be able to start taking stock and and trying to see whatever positives came out of this, you know, is, 
you know, we'll take care of ourselves better. We're going to, you know, care about our loved ones more, you know, just, you know, things that we'll take out of it and make sure not to forget those things. And I think we'll hopefully, you know, from our fan standpoint, I think that, you know, that release would be good to be able to see baseball in person. Do you see that happening at some point, whether it's start of the season in 21? Yeah, I, I, you know, any movie you've ever watched that, that has that, you know, when, when, they're, when they're, the storms stop and the sun comes out or, or even if you've been in something, you know, you're inside for three, four days, um, you know, when the weather's crummy and, all, and, you know, and you get out and all you want to do is soak up what's going on out there. I do think it'll be, a, it, it should be a good thing for people who want to get out and start to make themselves, you know, a, a part of the public again and be, and be around their, their neighbors and all. Uh, you know, in a nice environment, um, I, you know, I think I think baseball lends itself very well to that. The last week, you guys added a couple of free agents. You re-signed Mike Zanino on the baseball diamond. You got Michael Waka, who had been with the Cardinals and most recently the Mets. What did it mean to add those guys, and, and how much does that help, do you think, in the big picture as you go forward? Yeah, they, uh, look, we, uh, losing Charlie Morton is, you know, was a loss. Getting Charlie Morton when we got him was a, was a big plus, right? But um, you know, we make a number of moves each year, usually sometimes a lot, and you never quite know which one or ones are going to be the ones that move the needle. Um, but invariably, there tend to be some moves that move the needle, um, you know, that, that are very much under the radar or even if they're, um, you know, they're seen, you just don't know the effect of it, right? So we don't know. We know what we're getting with Mike Zanino. He's been here. He's familiar. I think having that continuity with the staff, it's shown that it's worked for us. We're very excited to have Mike back. We're excited that he chose to be back here. It, it really, you know, it says a lot about him and it says a lot about him and within our organization. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, this is a guy that, that we think very highly of and whoever's going to handle our pitching staff, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're going to think very highly of him. <laughs> so that's him. And then uh, Waka is a guy we've liked and, um, I think, you know, look, it, it could turn out to be something that doesn't work out. Uh, but, you know, we, we go into these things with, um, you know, our opinions. And our opinion is this guy is really good. And, uh, you know, we could try to help him, you know, be even better. And, you know, give us, you know, significant innings and important innings and successful innings. Well, the staff has been right more often than not, that's for sure. And I, and I think part of that, you know, Kevin is, has delegated well, has led well. He compared recently the group to maybe it could be like the Royals, where or Eric might have done it, where, you know, they got to the World Series one year, they ended up winning it the next. Will enough of this core be together, you think, that this can be that group that kind of takes advantage of what they learned from this past year? Yeah, this is, um, you know, it's... It's been a couple of years now, I'd say, right? You know, if you go back, uh, you know, we've, when we had the success, I think from the time we made, uh, you know, when we traded Chris Archer, uh, you know, the, the core of that team started to come together, had an enormous amount of success that August and September. Uh, we had a tremendous amount of success in 2019. And I, and I do think the core of that team is, is in place, is still in place, remains in place. And we've added to it, you know, I, not so much by replacing, but by depth. Uh, you know, you had a group of guys, uh, and now you have a larger group of guys. You know, we're sort of 35 deep, I think, at any one time. Um, and that's really where we are. It's not about, you know, a core of 25 guys on a team. And that's the way we've always approached it. 
And I think that'll be the case, uh, you know, this year and for the next few years. Isn't that the way the Rays have to beat the big teams, the, the Yankees, the Astros, the Dodgers, to be better one through 40 than, let's say, one through eight or one through five or whatever it may be? Well, look, we, 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 we love the guys, you know, the one through eight guys, the one through 25. You know, we, we think the world of them as well. Um, and we think that they're, you know, they can, you know, pound for pound, punch for punch, you know, compete with, with those, you know, the other teams and the other players. The important thing is to put them in a position where they can succeed, right? You know, whether it's, you know, it's really about the the roster you have, you know, the 25 guys making sure, you know, that, a, that you know, somebody is hitting on at the correct time in the order. Somebody is, uh, you know, facing the correct pitcher and the pitchers are making, making sure that they're not facing multiple batters, um, you know, when they're at a point of weakness and things like that and trying to accentuate their strengths by, uh, you know, making sure they're hitting in better counts or, or making sure they're pitching, you know, with the correct pitches and, and set up and things like that. So look, I'm, I'm always amazed that as an organization, we're able to beat those teams at all, you know, no, cause I could only, I, I, let's put it this way. If, if we were spending that kind of money, I would think we'd win 140 games, even though I know it's not the case, I wouldn't expect to lose. Um, you know, it, it's $200 million payroll if I was running these guys out there, you know, I, I would say, why are we losing any games? Right. But, um, you know, if we're able to win 90 some odd games where we are now, um, you know, can you imagine what you do with, you know, another $140 million, but it's a testament to how good our guys are and how they get out there and get at it and they feed off each other. Um, so it's, uh, it, it's, you know, <laughs> You know, we just seem to be able to do it year after year. Yeah, and it's it's certainly been awesome and special in so many ways. And while that's going on, you guys are still you know in the background, and you've always kept this quiet during the season, continuing to work on the whole sister city plan. What do you want to tell the fans about where that is right now, and and what may happen in twenty twenty one? Okay, yeah, I had uh, yeah. We, look, once uh, when the virus hit in March. Uh, it was all hands on deck and everything was focused for those first couple of months on, you know, the interior, I would say, of the organization. Uh, only the people and only, uh, you know, what our finances were looking like and where we stood. And I think once we got that, that, that you know, we were comfortable with where we stood, I would say, I would say comfortable where we stood, but I mean, at least we, we knew where, where things were, you know, by June, um, you know, we started to take on you know, other projects, uh, you know, as we went along the way, uh, you know, like the social media things, you know, which we kept up on, we were trying to stay very much involved uh, with all the social issues that were going on, especially, you know, through the early summer and spring and early summer. Um, and the end, we were uh, at the same time, uh, you know, looking to get back on the field and all that was necessary to prepare for what was going on in the field. So everybody had their jobs to do. And the people who were doing those jobs in years past, you know, went back to doing those jobs. Once we recognized that they were going to be safe, that they were going to be taken care of, they could, you know, that they had their loved ones, you know, squared away and things like that. Uh, and then the people who've been working on the group that have been working on our, our stadium issues over the years, and specifically, you know, for the last uh, year and a half on the sister city concept, got back at it, uh, I would say, you know, in earnest in the early summer as well. And, uh, you know, much to my delight, we have made a huge amount of progress 
up in Montreal in the last uh, four months. Our our crew and and the, the group up there that would like to bring baseball back, you know, have are really taking strides, um, you know, to do all the things that are necessary and planning uh, to get this, you know, the sister, sister, sister city concept in place. Um, and I, you know, I think down here as well, you know, we're continuing to have discussions and trying to see if there's a place for us, uh, you know, here, uh, in Tampa Bay, as I expect there will be. And that's really my, my desire, my, my only desire, uh, to, you know, one of the main reasons or the main reason to do this is so that we can keep baseball here in Tampa Bay uh, even if it is for, you know, a shorter season than it might be otherwise. And as you continue to work on that, let's hope, you know, that uh, the, the good things, the, the, the great memories from 2020 are just a start of, you know, what we'll have in 2021 and health and, and happiness to everybody. Yeah, most importantly, most importantly, is, and, and as I, I touched on earlier, uh, we need to also make sure of all, all that we learned a lot of good when I say we, you know, public, right? Uh, our organization, or, you know, all of our employees, everybody around this area and around the globe. And whatever the good we learned, we just need to make sure to accentuate it and not forget it. And, you know, take those positives. And, um, you know, as, as, as the virus in theory passes, uh, you know, use the positives and, and, you know, learn from them and build to a better future. Here's to a safe and healthy holiday season. And, uh, Successful 2021, Stu. Neil, the same to you, your family, and uh, anybody listening to this right now. Thank you very much for your support. Uh, thanks for giving us your ear and your time and, and uh, your fandom. And uh, we look forward to getting at it when, uh, when the season starts in 21. That is race principal owner Stuart Sternberg. Again, if there is any news, we'll have it on a future podcast or on our blog, raceradio.moblogs.com. Thanks for being with us. Happy holidays. We will talk to you soon. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.